us through. Amen? Praise the Lord. And with that saying, I want to give honor first off to, you know, I want to give honor to Pastor. Allow me to come up here and do this teaching. And, uh, and this is uh, what we call uh, moving in the spirit. Because we're not using a program, but we're using, uh, he's allowed us to go out into the open and see, search the scriptures and to, to move into something that God wants us to see with our eyes in the scriptures. And I think we should all do that when we seek God's presence, when we seek that which is true. Amen. But I want to give honor to him, and also I want to give honor, uh, last time I didn't do it, you know, to my family. Because without my family and without those who support me, friends, all those out here, I would say I would not be able to stand where I am today. I need family and I need friends. And in doing so, I'm able to stand here before you and able to share with you the great things God wants to do in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. You know, one of my things is, is I, I enjoy to hear the worship uh, because I understand that we, when we read the scriptures, we, we see the, the scriptures as, as there has to be a truthful, a truth behind it, a desire to worship God. And when the desire is there, uh, God is pleased with that. And there is a praise unto him. Uh, in doing so, we'll move on to the scriptures. Uh, we're going to begin first with uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. And I'll move... Uh, I know I have the, uh, the, for some reason I tend to talk really fast, and I'm going to try to slow down for you guys. So uh, forgive me if I do speak. And again, I repeat, 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 16 through 17. And it is written, all scripture is given in inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and the, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, Unto all good works. And of course it says man, but it also is in reference to the woman. If you agree with me, would you uh, clap your hands unto the Lord and say amen? And we're going to go ahead and pray for the word and just see what God has for us here today. Lord, we thank you, Heavenly Father, today. Uh, today in this lesson, Lord, and the teaching, uh, we ask, Lord, that you would soften our hearts and make us more attentive to the time at hand. We're going against the grain of the world, Lord. It will, we know that we will be victorious, Lord, because we, you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, you are God, Lord, you, and we fear you, Lord God, and not in a fearful way as to say that we curl up, but we fear knowing that you, God, will give us all that we need and give us the strength, Lord God. We, there's no other God like you, but Lord, give us the wisdom and the understanding as we go through our lives from day to day, Lord, and to discern, to do good, and to bless your name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. And I won't quite give you the, uh, well, actually I will. So the title of the message is, As Like to a Samaritan. And so it's interesting to, uh, when we think of the Samaritan, we, uh, we know exactly uh, how Jesus uh, portrayed, he spoke to the Samaritan woman. We also know the story of the Samaritan uh, man who, who fell amongst thieves. Uh, but one thing that it caught my attention was that when the Lord was, was speaking of these Samaritans, uh, he was always bringing the Samaritans in reference to do a comparison, and not to compare the people to it, but in comparison of the attitude and the action of the Samaritan as what they did. And uh, with that said, I'm going to say 
that this, this title kind of, it actually inspired me. The scripture inspired me to, to kind of bring this thought because uh, just as you have heard the scriptures, it's uh, the Lord, what, what do I like in the kingdom of God unto? And then he talks about the mustard seed and he talks about, so I'm not saying that uh, the, uh, the Samaritan is who we are to become like, but there are some attributes, some things that the Samaritan has within them that, that they did write that we should learn from. And I, I also find it interesting that the Lord chose this, these people to bring forth something that would be, I would say, of wisdom or, or, or right doing. And reason being is because we understand that Jesus was trying to bring uh, righteousness uh, to this earth. And the righteousness was not as the Pharisees thought righteousness was. Uh, Lord, the Lord came in righteousness the Bible says in the Old Testament that our righteousness is as filthy rags. But now, now that is not so with us. We are covered by the blood, so there's no longer filthy rags on us because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sins have been washed a bit away because we have gone into the waters and, been, and we have uh, become a new creature. But as I, as I began to uh, dig a little bit deeper... This, and, I, and I'm going to just just to make clear. I hope you understand that when I refer to the scriptures, I'm referring to the letter, the voice of God. It is, and and, it, and, I, and it's almost as if it's addressed to me. The Bible is addressed to me, and as I do that, I want you to know this: that even though I have my Bible, you have your Bible, and your Bible is your letter addressed to you. It says the same thing. It means the same thing. The only difference is that at times there's there's a little bit of a uh, sometimes there's a little barrier there. And how to break that barrier is going to be dependent upon us. I've always mentioned that how deeper, how deep we go into the scriptures will be dependent on what we get out of it. So, and this is what God wants us to do. Go deep into the letter and find that which is good. Now, you will not find, as I said earlier, what I'm about to say in scripture. But what I will say is that without the benefit of the doubt. You won't find it word for word, but you'll find the explanation or the evidence and the, the benefit that will show forth these, these traits, these, exa these examples of these people uh, who was to teach us. And he, he taught us through them to change us for him. Otherwise, why would Jesus talk about it? And that would be a first question. Why would Jesus talk about it? It was important for us to recognize that which these people were doing and that which was uh, it was obviously uh, some was recorded and some was that which the Lord knew. There's a, the story about the Samaritan. We don't see that written other than the Lord uh, speaking about it. But when God speaks about it, when Jesus spoke about it, it is the word. And uh, just to make sure of a few things, I made notes of it. Uh, and the reason I did this particular thing is because uh, no matter where we stand in the kingdom, we always have a, a place and a position, and also we can always grow spiritually. So the question is, and this is something that within us, the question is, what is a servant of God like, and whom should, uh, whom should I use to give an idea of a servant's image? And today I'm going to use the Samaritan. In 1 Corinthians, before I even go into that, chapter 10, verse 11, Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth. And, and mind you, they have already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he says, now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are to come. And that is us. The ends of the world are here. They're close. I'm pretty sure you guys have gone online and seen 
if you've seen a bunch of these videos, they're talking about the end times. But again, they've also been talking about those for years. But we're closer to the end today than we were five years ago, five minutes ago. So it's drawing close. So we should be uh, attentive. And as one of a brother, one of my brothers once said, he says, why isn't there, why isn't the urgency there? There's not an urgency to get into the word. There's not an urgency to desire the things. There's not an urgency to reach the laws. There's not an urgency. His and he said, where is the urgency? And so I remember I sat down with him and he, he shared with us, uh, you know, what he, what God had given him and how it's important for us to continually to seek the scriptures and see how can we make better of our time because there is an urgency for souls to be saved. There is an urgency for people who may die tomorrow if nobody calls them on the phone to bring them to the Lord. So there's an urgency for us to even respond to a dying world. But Paul, as he tells the people of Corinth, he says to them, this, in this chapter, the things that have happened in the old covenant was for those who disobeyed. God uh, was punished. He did those. It was a punishment for their deeds. It was, it was, but it was also for us to understand the consequences that come with, and he, said, he goes to this, the lusting over the evil things, they were idolatrous. Uh, this is a people, as, as he mentioned, sat to eat and drink and rose up to play. And I don't even, uh, I don't believe they're referring to a joyful play. As the scriptures say, it was, uh, it says, a playful such as a man being drawn and tempted by a woman. And, of course, he brings in fornication into that. Uh, it was not, to, it, back in the day, it was not a big deal. God, uh, who were who was there he was God had delivered these people from a place where they this was practiced it was considered to be a ceremonial act of either worship to other gods or demonic spirits and if not it was it was just something they thought was okay to do again because they had allowed it to become part of their lifestyle so again in these end times uh, and I'll share a little bit now when the question is asked why would God destroy so many people well, here's why. Because they were to be a holiness unto God. This was the children of Israel. But it also pertains to us now. Paul says, be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. So in us carrying ourselves, the same, and I'm going to say prerequisite, that was expected of them is still expected of us. But it's in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost brings all this truth and reveals to us what is ungodly and godly. And also, I've said this before, and I believe it because it was taught to me that we are held at a higher accountability because we have the Holy Ghost. The people of the past did not. So let's be, uh, so let's be aware of that and let's say, hey, you know what? I am not like, and I'm going to say this too. The apostles walked with Jesus. And I've been wanting to say that and I keep forgetting. The apostles made mistakes when they were with Jesus, but they were also not always filled with the Spirit. The Bible says that God, Jesus empowered them. But it was only moments. And here's, this, here's to support that, that theory or that thought is if that was the case, then why would the apostles go to, uh, to, Pente to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost to receive the Holy Ghost? Because they were not yet filled. They needed to be filled. I mean filled. Not just, hey, you know what the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. But no, no, they needed to be filled to be able to accomplish that what God, which God had uh, ordained for them to do. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, so here we go. Moving on. So in, in, in seeing that uh, they were a holiness unto God, uh, they were God's chosen people. And in being those people, uh, like I said, just as God 
expected from them something he also expects uh, from us that which is holy. Uh, we are here, why? Because, again, I mentioned holiness of God. They are the, oh, they were the prime, again, the prime human species. And, and, I, say, and I say prime human species. They were just like us, but they were chosen. Uh, God chose them out of all the nations. He said, this is going to, he, he chose them and he, he's, and he was with them. He says, and I will be their God. And I think when God said, I will be your God, God, the creator of heaven and earth, made that decision and said, I'm going to be yours. And when you need my help, I'm going to come to your aid. No matter what happens, if you walk in my steps, I'm going to deliver you out of the mouth of a lion. I'm going to deliver you out of the hand of the enemy. And the enemy will not be able to overcome you because I am with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. They were entrusted with a valuable and precious responsibility, and God was not pleased on how they were handling it. So how does this pertain to all of us? Well, we would think that the bar was lowered because of Jesus, and I mentioned it early. But in reality, as I mentioned earlier, it's the exact opposite. The bar is raised. Even though, now Bishop mentioned that we are not a whole, I'm sorry, he said uh, we are not part of that royal priesthood. And then he says, but we are now now part of it so he didn't say we weren't and so the scripture says that we are engrafted into that which is of Israel the root system of Israel and also we find that if we've been engrafted we can also be removed it's very important to know that God has the ability to do that I had a small little bible study with my family talking about engrafting although they already knew half of it but I enjoyed just talking about it because it was it was a healthy conversation. It was a good conversation. I'm going to go into that in just a little bit as well. Uh, so how does the how does it pertain to us? I mentioned it, and uh, but before I go into that, I want to share. Uh, the question always arises: Well, how is it that God will would kill such a people? Why would He do that? Does the Bible says this? And I said, Yeah, it does say. That. And now I'm talking to people that I converse with, people that I come across with, because they they they're curious. But then they're also a little bit set back. And, and not that they don't believe in God, but it's almost, I've had someone said, do I really have to go when God comes? I said, no, you do not. If you're not giving your life to God, God is not going to take you. God wants those who want to go, not the ones that do not want to go. And then I had someone share with me, and I don't think it was, it was unintentional. I don't think it was evil thinking or anything like that. Well, if God is going to come when the world is all in turmoil, why don't we just all do wicked things so that God can come back? And I said, you know, that would make us to miss the mark because we are supposed to keep ourselves holy unto the Lord. We're supposed to keep ourselves in the ways of God according to Scripture. And then it kind of dawned on her, you're right. So it wasn't that she, and again, those are innocent things that people do. Not, not saying that uh, they would rather do that, but it was just saying like, well, let, you know, let just God come back. Because I'm in that same boat. At times I think, Lord, this is getting old. It's really getting old. And sometimes I even sit there thinking, God, Lord, we have your word. And we're repeating the same thing over and over. But also we know this. And I have come to cherish this because it's, a, it's, it's, presti it's, it's, it's food to the soul. If we practice something over and over and over again, you know what happens? Eventually it becomes part of you. But if you do not practice, it will never become part of you. 
and this is why it's important when we come together. And it, it doesn't matter if it's not in the church, if, if it's not here, let it be somewhere else. The grow groups are also happening. If it's not in grow groups, let it be where you work at. And I mentioned before that I share. I mean, I, Friday I had two Bible studies. I, I don't hold back. I mentioned that. But I had to. Why? Because I want, first of all, they were hungry. They were hungry, and I gave them. And, I, and, and the Bible tells us to feed, right? To feed. Give them what they need. Give them what they desire. And that which is good, you don't want to withhold from them. And I even actually, I, I, went, I took the extra steps to say, hey, you know what? I apologize if I really just, my jabber just will not stop when I start talking about this. And she says, Andy, don't worry. If I was not enjoying it, I would have told you to stop. And, I, and we laughed, and she, she drove away in her car. And, and I'm talking about these are old, older people. These are, I mean, these are 80-year-old people saying, talk to me about God. Talk to me about the Lord. These are people that do. And I, I even asked, do you know anything about uh, Pentecostals? And oh, she goes, oh, I've been there once. And so she's asking questions. And all I can get is that she is desiring to come and get fed. And I think it's interesting that she is now asking more questions than before. And moving right on. And I say that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, as I was talking about keeping ourselves holy. Now, as Jesus died, well, actually, I skipped a few. God has entrusted the children of Israel, entrusted them with something valuable. Uh, now that Jesus died, I spoke on that we are held at a higher accountability as long as God's word remains, sin will always be exposed. It is only by God's word that sin is identified, and it is through the gospel that we can understand forgiveness and obtain salvation. It is through the gospel. Without the gospel, we can't understand it because this is the beginning. I always tell people, if you bring people to the Lord, now I used to go into the book of Acts. I used to go into, no, you got to bring them first into the gospel because Paul preached the gospel first. And through the gospel, they will come to repentance because they will understand what the gospel was all about. And it was about Jesus Christ. Amen. So through the gospel, we bring them we walk them into the book of Acts. They learn what the book of Acts is all about. It's the action of the apostles, but it's also a transition for us to move into. We are a continuing portion of the book of Acts. It is not ended. It will not end until the coming of the Lord, until the trumpet sounds. Once the trumpet sounds, then there is no longer that opportunity for someone to say, hey, you know what? Um, can I get baptized in the name of Jesus to be filled with the Holy Ghost? They can probably do it, but the fact of the matter is that the Spirit of the Lord will no longer be here. And if the Spirit of the Lord is no longer here, then they'll have to go through that which was turmoil. That which is, is uh, what we are going to avoid. We're going to pass even, uh, as Brother Stone King said, that we're going to go past the white throne judgment. Because we, every day, we come to the throne of God and we repent. And in our repentance, God's... This Okay, I, you started in the morning. Here's my mercy. Here's my grace. Keep going. And so we continue to move into that. It pertains. So, and I mentioned earlier, how does it pertain to us? So heaven, so again, the Bible says for us to be holy. I brought a little bit of um, info on, on something that the Lord kind of brought on to me. And I think there was an important part to this uh, just because... Uh, I've not heard it, well, I sh I, I've heard it in places, I just can't quite remember where, 
but I've heard it in, in not, I don't want to say this house, but I've heard it, and uh, I think God wants us to be aware of it. In God's word, he makes it aware what is good and what is not. He wants us to be sensitive to the spirit. It is what protects us from that which is profane. And I'll say, and I will say that even the mention of any joke referring or to even leading the thought of any believer to an immoral thought in a playful manner could affect the spirit, the, the spirituality, hence of that person's spiritual, uh, you know, effect, taint their soul and ours for if we're speaking it. So these are things that we want to be careful with. Uh, I and you know what I have recently gone on to other. Um, what do you call these medias? And they're not healthy. So I'm going to, rec- uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to advise you, be real careful on what you watch. Be real careful on what you look into. And, uh, and most of the time, I just have to shut it out because it is, it is not healthy for uh, spiritual growth. Uh, and I said, and I would just say, and if you think this is kind of, I'm joking, uh, then you're, I would say you're not quite getting it because this is, this is, not, I'm not joking about this. God is not going to invite us into heaven. And tell us a dirty joke. He's not going to do that. He's holy. Nothing that is unholy is going to make it there. And I just want to get that through. We should refrain from such things because God is holy. Our conversation should be clean. We who are married couples would not be sharing any intimate details with other couples. You may think and say, well, that's what's wrong with just sharing. I've lived in the world, and I've made a note of this, for 38 to 39 years of my life in the world. And I know that there is no such thing. You cannot share something and not think that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go somewhere. It's going to go somewhere. So don't, don't share, and I don't, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't help the relationship. It develops a flirting spirit, and then it perverse spirit, and then, of course, we know what can come from that. All right, we can, and again, I share this. We can, when we fall prey, for, pray to it. This is you're going to feel uncomfortable, and the holy, and that's because the Holy Ghost is telling you, end the conversation now, get out of it, don't talk about it. It's over, and you just walk away. The Bible says first to flee when anything like that happens. The Bible also refers to the conversation in most cases as how we ought to conduct ourselves overall as a child of God. You address. Uh, you dress the part, you look the part, and you, your language has borders that keep you out of the profane mentality, not only here, but also out of our mouths. And I, won't, I will admit, there are times when I see these words, and they stick up here. But, and there's thoughts that stick up here. But I start to walk around. If I'm, actually, if I'm in the vehicle, if I'm driving, because I'm, I've got the church van now, I've got to protect what that's for. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse that thought right now. You can't enter into my mind. I curse you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and it will leave. Whether it's a thought, whether you saw something, you shut it out in Jesus' name. There's power in the name of the Lord. I put in here, I've walled mine up with concrete walls. But you know what? We, work, we live in the world, and there, we're going to work with people who are going to be that way. And I, here's my best advice to you if you do come across change the subject talk about something else don't let that linger on because it will get worse it will not get better i went as far as to telling someone hey could we just stop using this particular word and he kind of looked at me i said i would like you to and he has not <laughs> you can you can ask and hope 
eventually, you know what God has done? He takes them out of my life, and I won't have to worry about it anymore. God will handle it. If you don't know how, uh, how to deal with these things, I put here, read the Bible. Just as God does not share his plans for you with the enemy, nor should any of us share our intimate plans with anyone else. As, as for married people, no one has the right to know intimate details about you and your spouse. Marriage is holy in the eyes of God. He takes it very personal when we are not a faithful companion. We know that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride of Christ, the church. We are not to search out other gods and we are to refrain from everything else and only uh, come to him in faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. And I'm just kind of walking down through these scriptures. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted. And they were destroyed of serpents. The serpents were a judgment to those who tempted God. And in verse 10, they were destroyed. I have found this interesting because it says destroyed. It says first by, uh, by serpents and then it says the destroyer. And the destroyer happens to be Satan. So God first said, I'm going to let the Satan's, the, I'm sorry, the, Satan, the, 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 uh, the snakes handle it. And then after that, I'm going to let just Satan do his part. God will remove his hand and allow things to happen if we do not. And I'm, this is what, these are, again, these are in samples. These are examples for us to learn from. So this is, don't do this and you will be okay. The NIV reads, killed by the destroying angel. The destroying angel. It doesn't say uh, the destroy. It's very specific. And then we have Paul telling us that, that all that took place in the time is an example for us. I just said that. It is, it is to bring awareness that there is judgment for disobedience. Of course, our punishment is not right away. It comes at the end of either our death at times or when the Lord comes back. So we could live a happy life and nothing ever happen until the end. Because we have everything written. We have the voice of God and God speaks to us. Is that my alarm? Not mine. Oh, maybe it is. No, it's not. Praise the Lord. So, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a punishment. Of course, the punishment is not right away, as I mentioned. Uh, and this is why we are to be ready in season and out of season. The season refers to and translates to an appointed time. To be ready at the appointed time, uh, in and out, uh, and exactly what it means, what it says. It's ready at all times. So, really, we don't have any time, I don't want to say to rest because we are already resting when we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. This, that's, our, uh, that's our rest. I, I've, had the, uh, the I've had many interesting conversations over these past few weeks. And um, as I speak to people, they talk to me about their families, about, the, you know, some of them have families who are seven Adventists. And I have the opportunity. God, God allows us to minister if we open up to them. And I had a lady tell me that her, her, um, her, son, her, her son is a seven Adventist. And she, she talked about the perpetual sleep. And I said, well, you know, uh, the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. So that means we we're going to be there with them. Now, time is a different story. We are not bound. Our spirit is not bound by time. God is not bound by time. But God can make us sleep for a thousand years and us not even notice it. How many of us believe that? He can do it. If he passes through time, he can make us sleep and we will never know that it was a thousand years. That's who he is. That's what he does. And so him, we don't want to limit God to such a small thing. Well, God doesn't do that. God can do whatever he wants to. He is the creator of the heaven and earth. He has done all things that are impossible to us, possible through him. 
Amen. Exactly. I mentioned uh, the times again. Uh, this and again, this is kind of a. I guess I could have. Said, I was going to mention this was just like a short Bible study, but it's not really short because I still got to go on. <laughs> now, in First Thess- Thessalonians chapter one verse seven, uh, this is this is he's speaking. This is Paul speaking to someone who was, who has been recognized for their dedication and faithfulness. Paul says so that they again ye are in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, this is Paul writing as an encouragement to those who have been living for the Lord for quite some time. And so he's saying, hey, you guys are doing great. People are seeing what you're doing. I'm getting good reports, so you keep doing that. And it says, and you're teachers because you're, you're, you're giving Bible studies. Uh, you know the faith, and, and that is what is expected of you, and I, I'm so grateful for that. You're living it. You're showing it. And he says, you are in samples to all that believe. To all that believe. So even if we have someone come into the church that was not a believer before and now is a believer. And now we continue to live in that which they had never seen anybody live. We're in samples unto them. Or we're examples to them. I shouldn't say examples unto them. So that they can have something to live or something, you know, kind of shoot for in a sense. Not as a comparison, but to walk alongside with us. I mean, we don't want to say that we're so far ahead of you that you can't catch up. Because we know there's, with the Lord, it's not like that. Uh, we know the story of the talents or the, or the person who came in and worked sooner uh, or came in earlier. The only one came later and there was a little bit of dispute there. But God says, don't worry about that. Don't dispute that about time. Don't dispute that about money. You're losing the whole case. You guys are all going to the same place. You're going to get the same payment and be happy with that. And that is, the, that is the benefit for us. That is the blessing unto us to be able to get that. Against in samples. Uh, people are looking as you continue to walk. You do the work of the Lord without complaining and strive to do what is right. So I'm giving kind of three examples of three different people. The ones are, these are also, these are believers looking. The ones before that uh, possibly might have been like, ah, I'm kind of dangling. I'm not sure, sure, about the, sure about the faith. Well, let me give you some examples on why you want to stay in the faith. Here it is. And of course, here we go. And I left the best for last. First Peter chapter 5 verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Now, this is talking to the leaders. It's speaking directly to the leaders. And it says that this is, so this is referring to all the leaders and the preachers whom God has placed to lead. Not by force or manipulation or any sort, but feeding the flock with the truth, which is God's word. So we also ought to be serving one another and being clothed in humility. This is, and this is kind of a paraphrase of that scripture. And what, is, and what God is saying is, even, even, though, even though somebody stands here and preaches, and I mean this, I'm referring to myself, I ought to be a servant outside. And, um, and I, would, I guess I could, I could write a list of the things that I do outside, but that would kind of be boasting, wouldn't it? So we're going to leave it off. There is no list. The list that we do, we do it into the glory of God, and we do it in faith, and we do it knowing that no matter, no matter, no matter what happens, we stick to that, and we walk in that, and hopefully somebody will pick up the baton. <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of work to be done in the kingdom of God. There's a lot of work. I know it doesn't seem like it, but trust me when I tell you, there's a lot of work. And I'm going, leaders ought to be the greatest examples there, there, are, there is in the church. Jesus is the chief shepherd who taught the apostles. He was the greatest example. And so Paul says to follow him as he followed Christ. But I know I'm here talking to you about the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, 
the Samaritans, but I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. I'm almost there, I promise you. Do not discredit yourself as a leader. Just because uh, the times are hard, it doesn't mean it's not, it's not from God. Look at, look at what happened to Joseph. Uh, he was betrayed. He was sold. Uh, and also that you have the three Hebrew boys. Their leadership was a little bit different. They, their leadership was only with one another because they could have, one could have bowed and the other one said no. But they supported each other and led each other. And though, and he says, though he doesn't, if he doesn't come to save us, we're still going to serve him. And then you also have Nebuchadnezzar. I'm sorry, it was, that was Nebuchadnezzar. And then you have Daniel who was thrown into the lion's den. And, and we have, so, we, so Daniel is a prophet. And even then, he doesn't go against the king and God delivers him. He says, no matter what, God will deliver. And he did. And because Daniel was a faithful prophet. And, in, and saying that, uh, stand strong and know that God, when he leads you into all truth, you're going to find all that is good from him. And he is going to give you what is necessary. So know this, that God is not someone whom you can make decisions for. He is God. And if you step into what he has already prepared for you, it will be a success even when others can't see it. Success isn't measured by what you do. It is measured by the impact created of what you have done. As, and as Paul says to follow him as follows Christ, it is kind of the ripple effect. The Lord Jesus was, he, he testified of this. He was, he, he, he said, greater things will you do. So he was the one who created. He, he, it, was, he, it was all him. God, he, he knew this. You see, God caused and created this ripple effect. He was the master of it all. Some might say that it was when the Lord Jesus resurrected. But I, I looked at it a little bit different. No, the resurrection was the rock that had not yet been released or sent. The rock had to, be, had to ascend into heaven and then dropped. It would drop into the spiritual realm. And the ripple effect would be the spirit going out. These are the apostles that were filled with the Holy Ghost. God was that rock. And the success was 120 people were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. As we re read in the book of Acts chapter 1. But then we also find that it didn't stop there. In the second chapter, 3,000 souls gave their lives to God because there was a conviction upon their heart. And they knew that something was true as uh, Peter opened up the scriptures unto them. The spirit was giving him the utterance and he poured out. The enemy thought that the Lord's death would be the end of it. That is why he pushed for it. And I'm talking about the enemy pushed for it. But it was more of the beginning of a nightmare for Satan and his minions. And God was victorious in all his work and his plan. And through that victory, we can also take joy in that victory. And now moving into the lesson. You're probably wondering, what? Yes, praise God. As I said earlier, the title of this message is As Like a Samaritan. All these things were in samples. They're examples. But here is another one. God is always paying attention to what we are doing, even in the day and in this age, even at this time. How we keep his word will greatly affect our outcome in the end. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 through 25, and it says, the word command, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, our, our, for our good, for our good always, always. And it was for our good, so we kept that. That he might preserve us alive. That it is at this day, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God. 
as he hath commanded us. Jesus taught the crowds who were mostly Jews. And I'm not saying that others weren't here. Not other ones, they were probably bystanders, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 through 6, God, Jesus sent an interesting, an interesting outcome. Jesus sent the apostles out. And it says this, go, to, go into the way of the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, he says. Oh, I'm sorry, he says go, go not. I apologize. He commanded, go, go ye not. And this, is, and this is why I'm bringing this up. Because, and it says, but go rather to the lost sheep. Uh, lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the Lord is sending them out. And, and, and it's interesting to me that first, I mean, he, well, I'm going to talk about the Samaritans. And that, but here he's telling them, don't go there. Don't go there. And it's because it wasn't time yet. There was not time yet. If we understand where Samaria stood, it, uh, it, it sat between uh, Galilee and Jerusalem. And, and, and it's sitting there, it was in the midst. How can you ignore what's in the midst? Not only was it in the midst, it was on a mountain. It was high. It was built on a hill. So how can you, and we have the scripture that says, you know, it's built on a hill so that all, so they can, everybody can see it. Everybody can see the hill. They can see where it's built at. So in saying that, Luke chapter 9, verse 52 and 54, sends them ahead, and he sends messengers before, it says his face, and they went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. This is Jesus. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. See, the Samaritans were not getting along with the, the, the tribe of Judah. You have the southern and the northern. So there was a little bit of a trouble. He's like, listen, you're not here for us. We know where you're heading, and we would rather that you not stay here. And so they didn't give him a place to stay. And it's very, uh, kind of a reminder as to Mary, when she, uh, when she went looking for a place, she also didn't uh, find a place to stay. It was interesting. that So it seemed the Samaritans are, were not fond of Jesus resting in his neighborhood. So they denied him this place. Heading out to the place uh, in verse 54. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, without that we consume them even as Elias did. So they're saying, hey, Lord. You know what? They didn't let you come in here. How about we call down fire from heaven and burn this place down? Let's destroy it, Lord. And the Lord said, you know not of what spirit you are. He says, I came to save. And so even though they rejected Jesus, Jesus, he said, leave him alone. Leave him alone. We'll come back. Or I'll come back. The Lord lets, uh, he, he, he turns his attention to them. And Jesus says what he says to them. He understands that they have more of a condemning spirit to bring people to death instead of having a more forgiving spirit. He tells them that he has come to save and not to destroy. And let me make it clear, as I said earlier, James and John were not yet filled with the Holy Ghost. So their actions were based on their spirit and not the spirit of God. So don't go thinking at times that when somebody's hanging out with you because you're filled with the spirit that they're going to act right. They're, they can lose their place. They can act their part. And I've seen it happen before that just because they're with me, it does not mean that they're going to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. And it doesn't mean that we partake in it either. So at times we'll have to remove ourselves from that. That was the fastest 30 minutes I've ever seen. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. God is good. Amen. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Jesus' actions uh, obviously were of good spirit. He was God manifested in the flesh. He knew what he had to do and he knew what he had to say to them. Hey, hold your mouth for just a moment because I got to come back and save these. 
act, we are to act on the behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to act on the behalf as being filled with the Holy Ghost and so forth. Amen. Even after the rejection, Jesus was com had compassion towards the Samaritans. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he came with compassion. This is the next one. This is the Samaritan who also, we know that he came to the man who fell among thieves. He went to help them. He, he anointed him. He, he picked him up, put him on, on his donkey, took him to the, to the inn. Uh, he gave the, the, you know, the guy at the inn, hey, here's some money for now. And when I come, I will pay for everything. I will pay for everything that, he's, that he needs. But just take care of him. An example of that, something that we, I guess, the Lord was making mention so that we become aware of that. We ought to take care of those that have need, those that have been beaten up, those that have been harped. And it's not only bloody. And I, I've mentioned it last time. Sometimes it's someone who is, you know, is brokenhearted. And if they're brokenhearted, they are here for some, some kind of help. Let's help them out in any which way we, we can, of course, not overstepping our boundaries. Praise the Lord. And, of course, the last one. Because I'm running out of air here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got plenty of air. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You guys know that. I can talk all day. <laughs> Amen. But very much like Noah found grace in the eyes of God, uh, so have these Samaritans. They, uh, they have found grace, in, you know, favor for the Lord. Uh, this partic these particular people were rejected. They were cast out. They were thrown out. They didn't matter anymore. Now, they stood their ground for what they believed. It doesn't mean that it was right, but they still stood their ground. And they also did follow some of the laws. So I, I believe God gave them honor for that, even though they did miss the mark for a moment. But God still came back. Jesus was here. In Luke chapter 17, verse 15 through 19, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And this is talking about, well, how many of us know the story about the leper? I know some of us do. But God healed. He healed him. And it says this. It says God healed, and healed him. He turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was, he made it specific, he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? What, what there, were there ten of you? Yeah, but they, did, they didn't make it back. He says, where's the other nine? He says, they're not found that return to give glory to God. He says, save this stranger. A stranger came back to give glory to God. Those that were, and I'm going to say that he probably knew that those were of the house. And I'm going to say they were probably Jewish people. Otherwise, why would he make mention? He made a point. He was making a point. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Have made thee whole. That means complete. And I don't know if you guys ever heard the story. When you become whole because God made you whole, that means that that who had leprosy, you could no longer tell that he had leprosy. His hair grew back. His fingers grew back. His ears grew back. We know what it does. Everything was back to as, and they probably didn't even recognize when he got home. Who are you? I've never seen you like this. Oh, I'm so-and-so. God healed me, and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. I can imagine Jesus saying, uh, hey, Samaritan man, your faith has made you whole because you returned to give me glory, and you know who I am. This is a good thing. His point was made when he said, save the stranger, this stranger. In other words, no one came back except for this Samaritan man. And lastly, we have the Samaritan woman who's at the well. 
who comes at the hour where no one usually comes, where no one usually comes, simply to stay out of sight. But Jesus knows about this situation. But he also knows there's going to be a response for someone who is in search of God. The Bible says that it, it, when, when much is forgiven to someone, much, much is required. But Jesus also, the one that forgives, he, he gives an explanation. The one who, he's, he's talking to a, a Pharisee who has invited, been invited to his home. He says, who do you think will love his master more? Or who do you think he will love more? Well, will it be the one who he forgives less or more? He's, of course, the one who he forgave the most. He will love them. And it's very clear that uh, the Lord was kind of uh, implying when the Samaritan woman came to the well, that w there was much wrong with her, much wrong with her. And in doing so, she calls him a prophet. And Jesus is telling you, if you know who I was, you know, you would give me to drink. And then he's talking to her about the wells of living water that you will never thirst. Give me of these wells. And he says, hey, before I give you of these wells, go bring your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Ah, you've said the truth. He was testing her to see if she would lie. She was doing something that was inappropriate, but she didn't lie when she spoke to the king. See, there was something that came over her. She realized, you're a prophet. You're going to, no, I can't lie to this man because he's going he's gonna to figure me out. And when he, he says who he is, you know what she does? We've, read, we've all read the stories. All of a sudden, she takes off and she goes into the city. Come and see he who has said all things, all that I have done, he has told me. And they come. The Bible says they come and they meet him. And when they meet him, he tarries there with them. Samaria, where he was not received, where he was not accepted, because something something happened. There was a praise of a woman. He she opened her mouth, but also he was able to tell her everything because also she decided not to lie to the Lord. Praise God. Three Samaritans. One that came back and gave glory to God when he was healed. A Samaritan. No matter what we go through, whether whether there is no pain, whether there is nothing going on with us, we ought to praise God no matter what. We ought to praise him for who he is. The Samaritan woman gave praise to God, bring, opened her mouth and proclaimed that he was who he was, therefore bringing glory to God. And then we have the man who helped. It was, he didn't proclaim anything, he did something. And that proclamation of his actions of kindness and love declared his spirit within him. And God loved that spirit otherwise he would have not talked about it so I'll tell you today I'm out of pages praise God <laughs> perfect timing amen in closing the gospel teaches that the Samaritans were not highly thought of they were seen as dogs and demon possessed even Jesus was called a Samaritan oh you you a Samaritan because he was doing certain things so they were trying to degrade him and use that but Jesus knew that you can degrade anyone you want, but I can use them for what I want to use them. You can try to destroy those things that I have brought forth, but I will lift them up. If they come unto me, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that's what he did. When Jesus began to declare the things that he would do, he was the Messiah. He was the great I am. He began to draw the Jewish community back to him. Now, not everybody came. You know, the Pharisees decided, no, I'm not going to go there. Well, and this is why Jesus says, unless your righteousness is above that, is more than that. And you know how you do that? It's through humility. Humility. 
God wants humility. We, can, we worship God in spirit and in truth, and we bring forth that humility. And we say, Lord, I need your help. Help me and give me the strength that I need, and he will be fair with you. Praise God. If you would stand with us here today, praise the Lord. If you'd raise your hands unto God, and you say, Lord, you know what? I know that I have failed sometimes, but I thank you that you gave me the instruction of the Samaritan. I understand that they did something right. Praise the Lord. Help us, Lord.